for people who haven't seen that movie before. Just a tremendous story. Uh, we are in part four of our sermon series. I can only, <laughs> can you only imagine? <laughs> can you only imagine? Did you know, and it's interesting that Leonard played that, that uh, trailer because uh, his dad told him, that he was foolish for pursuing his dreams. Did you know that dreams can change your life and ultimately change the world? George W. Bush decided to run for president because of a dream. Benjamin Franklin encouraged the other founding fathers of our nation to push for independence for the colonies of that, the, uh, the 13 colonies because he had a dream about it. Albert Einstein's theory of relativity was inspired by a dream. George Frederick Handel heard the last movement of his cantata, the Messiah, in a dream. Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech was inspired from an actual dream which moved him to the point of talking about it in his speech on the Washington Mall. Someone once said the capacity to dream always was the great secret of those who change the world. Dreams feed the soul and give wings to the intelligence and make a great difference in our existence. So let us learn to dream and then we may perhaps find the truth. It's in our dreams that God not only speaks truth but where we can discover God's purpose. And that's what we've been talking about for the first Three messages of this sermon series, finding God's purpose in our life, empowered by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God working in and through each and every one of us. Now, lest you think this morning that I'm going to get hyper-spiritual with you and that I'm going to start telling you all about interpreting dreams, I'm not. Let me just put your mind at ease with this statement. The dreams that I'm talking about this morning are not primarily those that take place while you're sleeping, but those that occur while you're awake. You see, dreams don't just happen when we're asleep. They occur in the everyday active parts of our lives and finding God's purpose For which he created us. Dreams uh, happen when we ask God to give us vision for the future. Whether it be for our individual lives or for that for our our church. Uh, So we, we begin to let our imagination run wild. How many of you have an imagination? Probably not as eccentric as mine is. But we all have an imagination. And we all, we all can dream and envision things that may even seem so much bigger than us, that, that go so far beyond our capabilities that if they were to ever come true, it would have to be God, right? Those are God-given dreams. When we choose to think outside the box, when we throw away and throw off all of the constraints of the way things have always been, the way things are, and imagine the way that things could be. And that's the title of my message in this fourth, fourth part of this sermon series, How It Could Be. What is a dream? A dream is God's picture or vision or blueprint, whatever you want to call it, for a preferred future that will help you and I, you and me, my English teacher taught me, you and me, fulfill our purpose in life. Go with me in your Bibles to the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter number 37. If you have your Bibles, if you have the smart app, you can go to Version and get all of my notes for this morning's message. Genesis chapter number 37. I want to begin reading with verse 1, and I'm not going to read the entirety of this amazing story. I'm sure it's familiar to many of you, but One of my favorite stories in the entire Word of God. It says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. And these are the family records of Jacob. At 17 years of age, 
Joseph tended sheep with his brothers. The young man was working with the sons of Billah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought a bad report about them to their father. Now Israel, or Jacob, loved Joseph more than his other sons because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age, and he made a robe of many colors for him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. And then Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream I have. I had. There we were, binding sheaves of grain in the field, and suddenly my sheaf stood up, and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. Well, that's going to win you a lot, of, a lot of favor. Are you really going to reign over us? His brothers asked him. Are you really going to rule us? So they hated him even more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and told it to his brothers. Look, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun, moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. Told his father and brothers, but his father rebuked him. What kind of dream is this that you've had, he asked. Are your mother and brothers and I going to bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Lord Jesus, today, I'm asking that you speak powerfully to us through your Holy Spirit. Lord, let us throw off all the constraints, all of the, all of the bindings that we have put you in and working in and through our lives, both individually and collectively, and give us a God-given dream for how things could be if we could only imagine seeing ourselves and you working through us as you desire to do. Do that in us today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Joseph, one of the twelve sons of Jacob, had a dream where he would rise in authority over his older brothers in which they would one day bow down to him. Now Joseph told his brothers about this dream and from that point on, Joseph's life and his family's life were never going to be the same. At age 16, there was a young man by the name of Matthew Barnett who dreamed of a church that would be open 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, that would serve the physical and spiritual needs of America's inner cities and bringing a message of hope to people who were hopeless. So in 1994, at the age of 20 years old, Matthew Barnett moved from his home, his father's church, in Phoenix, Arizona, to Los Angeles, California, to, small, to pastor what was then a small church of 18 people. One night, God awakened Matthew and, uh, out of a deep sleep and told him, to get up and to walk to a very dangerous part of Los Angeles called Echo Park. Once he was there, he was surrounded by crime, gangs, prostitutes, and, and many homeless who, who made that park their home. And it was there that he heard the Spirit of God speak very clearly to him. He said, this is what the Spirit of God told me. I did not bring you here, Matthew, to build a great church, but to build people. These people. You build the people, and I'll build the church. I don't ever want you to think about success again. I want you to think about being a blessing. And then he says this. Success is obedience to your calling. I have called you, God told him, to bless people, to love them, to heal them, to help them, and to serve them. So as soon as he could, Barnett started an outreach ministry to the people in that neighborhood where Echo Park was located and started to change lives. 
And just seven years after that dream was given to Matthew Barnett, an old 400,000 square foot hospital with nine buildings only a few blocks from Echo Park was put on the market for $10 million. Well, Matthew began to pray and to ask God to accomplish his purposes in him. Long story short, he purchased the building with the help of churches around the country for three and a half million dollars. Today, that 400,000 square foot hospital is a 24-hour hospital and sanctuary that provides free help, counseling, food, clothing, and medical services to anyone who is in need. Thousands of people who are drug addicts, Thousands of people who are abuse victims, hundreds of prostitutes, people who had been abandoned, the disabled, have been helped through what is now more than 200 need-based ministries that emanate from that church that is located in that hospital. Last year, they ministered to more than 50,000 people per week in the city of Los Angeles. The name of the ministry is called the Dream Center. But it didn't stop there. Currently, there are more than 85 Dream Centers located throughout the world, one of which we support, located just up the road in Great Bend, Kansas that came into being because of Matthew Barnett's dream. Barnett writes, and I'll close the story with this quote. He says, God birthed a cause in me that's not only transformed my life over these years, but millions have been reached as a result. God has called us all for a great cause that he wants us to embrace to make a positive impact on others. And here's the part that I want you to hear. If you live for a cause greater than yourself, you'll live a life of peace, a life of joy, a life of passion, and a life with lasting meaning. Now, here's the truth of the matter, friends. That sounds like an awfully big dream, right? But the truth is, God has placed in each of us a dream for a specific cause which will ultimately transform lives and build the kingdom of God. And I'm not talking about a dream equivalent to the dream of winning the lottery. That's not the kind of dream I'm talking about. I'm talking about a dream or a vision that will change what has been the status quo. A dream that will take us from from being just one of many churches in our area to becoming a church that will literally change our area, our community for time and for eternity. I'm talking about a dream or a vision that will speak to the very depths of every heart and soul in our area and community. You see, God created us for a purpose. We've been talking about it, and our purpose is directly linked to the dream or the vision that God has given us for, of a preferred life, a preferred future that will impact and transform the lives of others for the sake of the kingdom of God. I, I want you to hear me. I, I'm not so much preaching this morning as I am talking to you from my heart. Hear me when I say this. The day that you lose sight of your dream, the day that you lose sight of your vision is the day that you stop moving forward with purpose. Now that's just not an interpretation that I'm coming up with. The Bible said, in fact, the wisest man who ever lived wrote it this way. He said, where there is no vision, people perish. Without vision, God just may as well take us all home to heaven. Uh, I'm guessing that there are some of us here this morning who have stopped moving forward, stopped pursuing whatever the dream God has given us is, because it may have seemed too big or even impossible. And I'm guessing that there are others of us here today who, when given our dream or vision, that uh, just 
was supposed to define our purpose for which God created us, perhaps just said no to God. I'm also certain that there are others of us in this room who haven't yet discovered God's dream for our lives. But I'm confident that each and every one of us have been given a dream that's been placed in our heart by God to pursue a purpose greater than ourselves. Now, the life of Joseph that we read about in Genesis chapter number 37 teaches several things about pursuing God's dream for our lives. And the first thing that it teaches us is that we should always expect opposition when we are trying to live out the dream that God has given us. Look what happened to Joseph. And again, we didn't read the rest of the story. You can do that in your own time, but I'm just going to share with you. After Joseph shared his dream with his brothers, with his father, I got to say, in all honesty, he held the dream that God had given them over their heads and made them feel subservient to him. And that only reinforced the feelings that they already had about his father being uh, favoring him as a, as a son. So don't do that. <laughs> but the feelings that resulted from the way Joseph went about revealing his God-given dream resulted in him being thrown in a pit, sold into Egyptian slavery... And his brothers told their father, when Joseph didn't come home for the night, Joseph was attacked by a wild animal and killed. Now, I said that to say this. Whenever you pursue great things for God, whenever you pursue God's purpose, expect opposition. And opposition doesn't always mean that Somebody's coming against you and saying, oh, you can't do that. Opposition is a much broader topic than that. I I remember as a youngster, I was convinced that I was going to be a professional baseball player. And believe me when I tell you that I spent hours on end practicing and watching and playing baseball. I remember my dad once telling me that he thought God had given me a ball for a brain instead of a brain. <laughs> so the day came when I was 18 years old and I had an opportunity to try out for the Cincinnati Reds. They came through with a scout through Garden City and had tryouts. And, and so I thought, this is my opportunity. But then they brought in a soon-to-be big league pitcher named Don Gullett. And the first pitch that he threw to me started out behind my back and wound up on the outside corner. And that was just the beginning. The next pitch he threw was a fastball that they told me later was right down the middle because I didn't see it at all. And that began to dash the dream that I had of being that baseball player. I was so crushed. I remember talking to the baseball scout after the tryout was over. And he said, don't be, don't be discouraged. He said, the truth is only one half of 1% of people who want to become professional baseball players ever make it to the big time. One half of 1%. Well, that didn't make me feel much better, but I started pursuing my next dream. And notice I'm saying, my dream. Not God's dream necessarily, but my dream. My next big dream, knowing that God had called me into the ministry, was, okay, God, I know how I'm going to serve you in ministry. I want to travel the world as a singer. And sure enough, I found an opportunity to do just that. And I thought, boy, this is, this is great. I'll have God's blessing on my dream. And then my dad came along. And he said, Terry, I want you to know something. It's more than just about singing and traveling. Now, he wasn't opposing what God might want to do with me. He was simply telling me, you might ought to consider some things before you jump whole hog into this pipe dream of yours about wanting to travel the world as a singer. He said, I want you to pray about it. I want you to pray about it a lot. 
And I want you to pray and I want you to ask God if this is his dream or your dream. And sure enough, when I did as he had advised me to do, God showed me very clearly that it was not a God-given dream, but a pipe dream of my own making. Now, I'm talking about dreams that God gives to us, that, that if you'll just take steps of faith in, in what he's placed in your heart, will come to pass. A.W. Tozer, the great theologian, once said it this way. He said, God takes men and women of great ability and crushes them. Then and only then can God fill them and use, in the, use them for the things that he wants to accomplish through them. I had a little plaque on my office desk for years that said, God's not concerned about your ability. He's more concerned about your availability. What I'm talking to you about this morning, friends, is God's dream, God's plan. The things that my dad had spoken to me regarding my dreams, they weren't so much opposition, but rather just advice to make sure that it was a God dream and not a Terry dream. You see, with that being said, everybody doesn't have to believe in your dream if it's a God-given dream. Now, as long as you know you were chosen by God and for God's purposes, dream on in spite of what may seem like opposition to your dream. And that brings me to the second thing about pursuing God's dream for your lives. Expect hardship. No one, no great purpose is ever achieved without experiencing some type of hardship. For Joseph, that meant being sold into slavery. Oh, and it didn't stop there. After he sold into slavery, his master's wife tried to seduce him. And when he refuted her advances, she hollered rape. And Joseph is thrown into prison. Now, I'm not talking about an eight-by-six cell that's air-conditioned and might have a TV in, for, in it for you to watch where they provide three meals a day for you and a bed to sleep on. I'm talking about a dark, damp dungeon underground that you're never going to get out of. You see, prison systems in, in that day were much different than prison systems today. When you were thrown into prison, you were going to die in prison. And so... If you look at that in the context of, well, what's going to happen to the dreams that God had given to Joseph about people bowing down to him and, and his brothers being subservient to him? What's going to happen to those dreams if he's thrown into this dungeon, this prison, with no hope of ever getting out? Well, this is where we have to trust God. You see... As a result of his refusal, Joseph had been thrown into this dungeon. And what I'm saying to you is that no matter how hard we may try to pursue our God-given dream, we are going to encounter hardships and difficulties, and such is the case with Joseph. It could be a physical prison like Joseph's was. It could be a relationship that you may have to give up. It may be a lack of resources. It may be total, complete failure. What I'm saying is difficulties are going to come. We have to recognize that we are in the midst of this cosmic battle between good and evil. And even though we know that the war has already been won by Jesus on the cross, there are still spiritual battles and spiritual warfare going on in the lives of God's people. And I can tell you with a hundred and... 100% degree of certainty this morning. The enemy does not want you to fulfill God's purpose. He will do everything he can to subvert the plan of God in your life. So expect hardship. And hardship does include failure. The reason that many people fall short of pursuing their God-given dream is because they encounter failure. Some of us fail one time and then we make the decision to quit. Or we scale back God's dream 
for our lives, and we settle for less than what God has promised us that he would do if we would just exercise faith. Friends, what I'm saying to you is God can use our failures to help us keep pursuing our dreams. Failure is the main ingredient to success. If you've never experienced failure, how can you ever experience success in God? You see, failure's not, not final. It always comes before success. Every time it seems as if Joseph had failed and his dreams were dashed, God helped him in the pursuit of his dreams. God used Joseph's hardship as the means to fertilize and to cultivate the dream that he had given to him as a young teenager and to develop in his character the things that were going to be needed for the challenges which lay ahead of him. God will use hardship. God will use difficulty. God will even use failure in your life. So when those things happen, don't shrink back from them. Embrace them. Because in the midst of hardships, you need to exercise persistence. When hardship and difficulties come, you'll be tempted, as I said, to scale back your God-given dream and to settle for less. Or maybe even to give up on all your God-given dreams altogether. So don't let moments of difficulty stop you from dreaming. Notice what happens here with Joseph. It's later on in the chapter. Joseph had dreamed that he was going to rise to this position of high authority. But here he finds himself in prison. He's been falsely accused of rape. It looks as if his dreams are dashed. He probably couldn't have been any lower. And yet Joseph realized that he'd been chosen by God. He'd been chosen by God for a great purpose that extended far beyond the low and the dark circumstances that he was now facing. So when Joseph is surrounded by his difficulties, it somehow begins to literally embolden him to continue serving God, to continue serving, uh, pursuing, I mean, his dream. Uh, if you look in Genesis chapter number 40, verse number 5, we're told this, that in the prison with Joseph, were two men. One was a cupbearer to the king and the other a baker of the king of Egypt who were confined there in prison with him. And both of them, each of them, had a dream. Both had a dream on the same night and each dream that each one of them had had its own unique meaning. So who do you think interpreted their dreams for them? Joseph. God had put him there for such a time as this. Who gave him the meaning of those two men's dreams? God gave it to him. God was still working in Joseph, and he had given him this gift. And so Joseph never lost hope. He never gave up. He learned that he could live out his purpose in any circumstance. So here's what he did. He made himself available to be used by God. Now can you imagine? here he is he's in prison he knows he's never going to get out you know what he's getting ready to discover he's getting ready to discover that that's exactly where God wanted him for that specific time in his life to fulfill a specific purpose that Joseph had no idea was getting ready to happen As you pursue your God-given dream, you have to understand and believe without doubt that God has called you, God has chosen you, and you are to serve Him and to pursue that dream no matter what the circumstances that you encounter may be. You have to have, now this might sound strange, but you have to have faith In your faith. You have to have faith in faith. Because nothing will stop the plan of God. Can I just say this without being offensive to anybody in any way? If you don't let God fulfill his purpose in you, he's going to find somebody else to do what you were supposed to do. Because nothing's going to stop the plan of God. He's going to find somebody that's willing and able and available to accomplish his purposes. 
You see, because Joseph interpreted their dreams for them, the cupbearer and the baker, they in turn went and told the king who needed his dreams interpreted. And that led to something that no one could have ever imagined. The king had Joseph released from prison so that he could interpret his own dreams. And because Joseph had continued to be faithful, God was able to use that and to keep Joseph moving forward in the pursuit of fulfilling the God-given dream that he had been given for his life. I mentioned persistence. What are the keys to remaining persistent? First, you have to stay focused on the big picture. Stay focused on the big picture. God wants us to to be focused on the big picture because it's His dream. It's His purpose for our life. And, And He wants us, He's given it to us. He wants us to just trust Him to bring it to pass. Instead of wanting to give up, God wants us to stay focused on the dream or the vision that he's given to us. And that's what Joseph did. And it elevated Joseph out of his current circumstances. Don't get mired down in the muck of life. Stay focused on things above. That brings me to the second thing about persistence. And the most important thing. Remember God's faithfulness. Remember God's faithfulness. Joseph didn't quit because he was reminded of what God had done in the past. He remembered how God was with him in every situation. He was reminded how God was with him when his brothers had thrown him in a pit. He was reminded how God was with him when he was sold into Egyptian slavery. He was was reminded how God had been with him when he had been falsely accused by his master's wife. And now he understands because of all of those things and God's faithfulness in all of those things that God was with him even in this circumstance. Prison. You see, folks, too often in our lives, when we get surrounded by persecution and hardship, We forget that God's hand's been with us all along. We we, we develop, I guess I can call it this, spiritual amnesia, so to speak. We, We tend to forget about God's faithfulness, how He's always shown up just on time and in the right way. We can't forget how God has brought us through every trial. We never need to forget what God has done for us in the past. Question. This is just to see if you're still listening. How many of you can say that God has let you down? Oh, no hands. He's never let you down. How many of you felt like He let you down? But He always proved faithful. I've shared this with you before. Rarely has God ever done anything that I needed Him to do in my timing. But when he does it, his timing is perfect. And his ways are perfect. And he knows exactly what I needed, when I needed it, and how to bring it to me. Joseph didn't forget. And that remembrance gave Joseph the persistence to keep pursuing God's purpose. And that's the way that God wants to use us. Thirdly, tap your passion. The closer that you get to fulfilling the purpose for which God created you, the harder it seems to get. Oh boy, I could tell you story after story. But I won't. I will tell you this though, that what got Joseph through was his passion for God. He had a passion for God and for God's dream for his life. What is passion? Passion is the thing that keeps you going and keeps you enthusiastic. Passion is something that you're willing to die for. Passion, when Joseph knew his passion, it allowed him to go on beyond hardship. 
He had passion and passion kept him dreaming. Helped him pursue his God-given purpose. That brings me to a commercial time. That's why I wrote this. A passion for God. I have free copies for you available out at the Welcome Center. Anybody that wants one. When you're talking about finding passion, friends, this book talks... When I wrote this book, I had no idea why I was writing it. No idea whatsoever. I had just gone through one of the lowest times in ministry. We had just gone through one of the lowest times in our ministry. And I had already begun the book. And since it was a low time in our ministry, God gave me a season in which I could just sit down and complete what He had put in my heart. Four years later, Four years after I wrote and published the book, God put me to work in a prison where the dreams of untold numbers of individuals had been dashed by their foolish choices in life. Men and women who needed to know that God was still not through with them, that He still had a purpose for them, if only they would turn their life over to Him. This book literally became a lighthouse for hundreds of men and women in the Kansas prison system. I didn't have any idea that's why God wanted me to write it. I, I, I knew he, he didn't want me to put it in stores so I could try to sell it. I've, I've given away a thousand of these to congregations that we pastor. But friends, well, the reason I'm giving you this commercial is, be, is if you want to help ask God and to find out how God wants to show you what you're passionate about, read it. Back to the message. Fourth, and probably most importantly, utilize the power of prayer. James said in James chapter 5, verse number 16. This is not the way I memorized it, so I'll tell you the way it reads in the, at the Holman. The intense prayer of the righteous is very powerful. Now I'll tell you how I learned it. The fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Praying with fervency. I mean, really getting down to business with God. Not like, not like the prayer that you pray over your meal before you start to eat. I mean, be passionate about that too, I guess. But I mean, really get down to business and, and, and pray fervently before God. God, show me. Show me where you want to use me. Whatever you can find in me, God, that's usable for your kingdom, I give it to you. Show me. Give me passion for it. And I can guarantee, that, guarantee you that wherever you are right now in the search for finding your purpose in your life, pray like never before because when you remain fervent, when you keep your zeal, when you keep your constant communication with God, then and only then can you better identify and hear what your purpose is from God. So keep praying. Matter of fact, I've made it real easy for you. I put it on the, the Version app. I have a formula for all of this. The formula is this. Calling plus persistence plus passion plus prayer will give you connection to God's purpose. Those four things. Whatever you do in life, don't ever quit. You can't quit because God won't quit on you. Some of us have had that trial. And we feel as if we're ready to throw in the towel. Let me encourage you this morning, don't quit. Don't quit. Failure may seem like it's all around you. It may be evident. But I can tell you, God can use your failure. Don't quit. Don't scale back on your dreams. God is using failure to push you forward to your purpose. So don't let it cause you to take a step back and remember... God has given you a big picture. And you were born to achieve your dream. And when you do, the result will be what we saw yesterday. 
you'll be a blessing to others. Remember what God told Matthew Barnett? He said, I don't want you to ever think about being a success. I put you here to be a blessing. So I want you to bless people. I want you to bless prostitutes. I want you to bless drug addicts. I want you to bless people who've been abused. I want you to bless homeless people. That's the purpose he had for Matthew. And you know what? I'm sure that there are some even today who think, man, why minister to those people? Who'd want people like that in the church for heaven's sake? Let me tell you what, friends. There but for the grace of God go each and every one of us. That's who Jesus came for. That's who began to follow him more than the church of his day. It was the people who had never been accepted in any part of society. Never accepted in the church. But they saw something and they felt something from Jesus that gave them hope for a better future and a better outcome. And I'm closing. Through a series of circumstances, Joseph is elevated to become the, most, the second most powerful man in the entire nation of Egypt. His job was to oversee the collection and the distribution of food and grain during a time of world famine. And in the midst of this terrible famine, here's what God does, and it's so cool. Many people in that area starving to death. And Joseph, excuse me, Jacob, Joseph's father, his own family, Joseph's own brothers, they're starving. And so he sends those boys to Egypt because Egypt had somebody in charge that had taken preparation for the upcoming famine and had stored grain. And their only hope was to get grain from Egypt to bring back home to keep the family alive. So the brothers go to Egypt. And they're brought before the man in charge of collecting and distributing the grain. (laughs) Such a cool story. They encounter Joseph. They didn't know it yet. It had been so many years since they'd thrown him into a pit, sold him into slavery who they had made their father to believe to be dead. So many years they didn't even recognize him. But Joseph recognizes them. And he asks his brothers to come closer to where he was, and then he reveals himself to them. And I want you you to hear my paraphrase of how he reveals himself to them. He says, I am Joseph your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But I don't want you to be upset. I don't want you to be angry with yourself for selling me to this place. For it was God who sent me here ahead of you so that I could preserve your lives. Oh, and it doesn't end there. It gets better than that. This is my imagination going. You'll have to excuse me. Joseph says to them, this famine that has ravished the land for two years, it's going to last five more years. Five more. And there will be no plowing. There's not going to be any harvesting. God sent me here ahead of you to keep you and the families alive to preserve many survivors. Now what does that mean in the big picture? Well, it was that family lineage That hundreds of years later, a child was going to be born to another Joseph. And his name was Jesus. God's plans are never subverted. He's going to accomplish his plan in whatever way he has to. Joseph said, it was God who sent me here. Not you. I I wanted to throw in here, not you numbskulls. It wasn't you. It was God. And he's the one who has made me an advisor to the Pharaoh. 
He's made me the manager to Pharaoh's entire palace. He's made me the governor of all of Egypt. I'm wondering, I can't help but wonder, you suppose any of those boys remembered Joseph's dream? When you're hungry, you'll bow down to get what you need. (laughs) And not just for those boys, but in that moment, Joseph realized that (laughs) the dream that God had given him as a teenager, it wasn't about him. You see, when he told his brothers about his dream when he was a teenager, he thought it was all about him. You you guys are going to bow down and serve me. Oh, all of a sudden, the big picture becomes clear to Joseph. It wasn't about him. It was about God's purposes. It was about him being a blessing at the most opportune time. When you pursue your purpose, others are going to ultimately be blessed. You're never too young. You're never too old to pursue and achieve your God-given dream. So claim the call of God on your life to to the dream for your life. Persist and remember God's faithfulness. Jacob, musicians, would you come please? Oh, and tap into your passion. Most importantly, empower yourself with the, the gift of the Holy Spirit through prayer and pursue that dream to the glory of God. So here it is. Can you only imagine what it would be like to know that you, you, have saved an entire generation, an entire race of people, all because you pursued your God-given dream? Can you only imagine what it would be like to be the one who saves your family from spiritual death and eternity in hell. Even though they may have made fun of you, they may have reviled you, they may have persecuted you, they may have even called you a Jesus freak. Can you imagine what it would be like to be the one that brings them to Jesus? Makes their eternity secure in heaven. Can you only imagine... Jesus putting you in charge of ruling and reigning with Him throughout eternity. Why? Because you were faithful in doing the things that God created you to do. Dear Jesus, this morning... We are, we're seated before you, Jesus, as a congregation of people that represent a local church, many of whom are part, if not all, who are a part of your, your global church, the kingdom of God. But Lord, I've been around your church long enough to know some things. And among those things is the fact that too often we become complacent. We become, in our own minds, in the whole scope of spiritual things, we tell ourselves we're insignificant, that we don't don't matter, or we're too old, or we're too... We're too this, we're too that. We don't have enough talents. We don't have enough abilities. Not realizing, God, that understanding that we're not talented enough, we're not gifted enough, we're not qualified enough is the place where you can really begin to use us. Because it won't be about us. It'll be about you in us working through us. Lord, I don't know how many people in this room this morning have any idea 
of the dream that you have for their life. I, I don't know how many people have been given that dream. I don't know how many people have perhaps said no to that dream. I don't know how many people have perhaps scaled back that dream thinking it's just too big for them. But I do know this. When we become empowered and filled by your Holy Spirit, as you did with 11 uneducated, almost ignorant disciples, we can turn the world upside down. Because your Holy Spirit is the most powerful force And Lord, you have told us in your word that if we would lift you up, you'll draw all men to you. Lord, we may have never felt equipped or talented enough or have enough knowledge to even lift you up. But if we'll trust in you, have faith in your promise, And let your Holy Spirit empower us. You can be lifted up. And men and women and boys and girls will be drawn to you as a result. You're here this morning. And you say, Terry, I don't even know if I've ever accomplished anything significant for the kingdom of God. But I want to. Just raise your hand. I'll wait. There's got to be more than that. You don't know if God's ever accomplished anything through you, but you want Him to. Hold that hand up. Keep it up. Now stand to your feet with that hand still up. There's power in the name of Jesus. (laughs) There's power. Do you believe that this morning? Jesus, empower these people who have raised their hands this morning with the amazing dynamic of your Holy Spirit to enable them to accomplish and to do the things, Lord, that you have created them to be and to do from this day forward. In Jesus' name, sing it for us. What a beautiful name.